Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. What's up, everybody? Devin here. I hope you're staying healthy and productive. This week, we're going to take a little bit different route for an episode. I'm going to share with you a recent live cast that I did with Mike Myers, the managing director over at Sandler Training, and it's titled How to Adjust Your Sales Playbook for the New Economy. And here's exactly what we're going to cover. First, we're going to start with some concrete data in terms of how COVID-19 and uncertain language is being used on sales calls. But don't worry, it's not all doom and gloom. Empathy is on the rise, and we share some techniques that you can use to ensure that you're doing it in an honest and authentic way instead of some of the phony things you're starting to see on LinkedIn and cold emails. And last, we're going to share the elements of can't say no value props. We're sharing how budget holders are thinking right now and how you can master and reframe your offering so it aligns with top of mind priorities. The answer to selling today is not to stop, but it's to adapt. And so we hope that you enjoy this 45-minute webinar filled with techniques and tips that you can use today and share along with your team. Today, we're going to cover how to adjust your sales playbook for the new economy. And I'm joined by none other than Mike Myers, Managing Director of Sandler Training. So here's what we're going to cover today. We're going to first start off with how to approach new conversations. Then we're going to talk about reframing your messaging and your mindset because both are very important. You gotta have your mindset right to nail the messaging. And then we're gonna get into how to progress late stage deals. Before we get into the messaging stuff, Mike, we wanted to start with a little bit of trend data, right? Which is to show what's really going on in the world, which will kind of, which will set the foundation for some of the tips and the messaging stuff we're gonna get into. We just took a screen cap of our calls in Gong. So if you're not familiar with Gong, we capture calls, capture emails, and we can run some really sweet analytics on it. What we did for this was simply put in terms like Corona, coronavirus, et cetera. And the point was just to show you how much more it's going on, right? How often it's coming up in our sales calls at Gong. I imagine it's going to be a pretty close reflection of what you guys are also experiencing. And so if you look over at March 1st, only about 131. This was about the beginning of that shift, right? We're starting to see it on the news constantly. It's starting to really come into effect. It hit a peak around... 322, you can see it hit 500. And then we looked at as early as last week. And it's still, it's it's kind of teetered out. I wouldn't say it's, you know, on the rise or lowering. It's about even, right? So we're seeing it constantly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People are getting adjusting to the, to where we are in the, the new normal. I see that as well. So we started with COVID phrases, people talking about it. And really what that reflected was an increase in uncertainty. Right. So people know, like, hey, what's really going on here? We're not sure. And that's what salespeople are hearing all the time right now. So if you look on the right hand side, things like current circumstances, turbulent times, economy, crazy situation, also on the rise around the same timeline from that that March 1st date into that peak time, 
was a 9x increase, right? So you're seeing people talking about a virus and then you see people unsure of what it really means. That's not really a surprise, right? But as salespeople, we can't dwell in uncertainty. We need to take action. And so if you get to the next slide here, the last thing that we looked at was trend data around empathy. And so what our team did, and you've probably seen this on LinkedIn, if you've logged into LinkedIn the last month, uh, if you've opened an email from anybody in the last month, you've probably seen a lot of talk around leading with empathy. And so that's the first thing that our sales team did internally at Gong is we said, hey, let's make sure that we're taking a moment to really ask our prospects how they're doing. And you can see here, it went from 121 right before, you know, kind of the outbreak and before work from home started to happen. And there's about a 7x increase until last week, which was, you know, around 800 mentions on our, on our sales calls, right? So this is our sales team making sure that, hey, we're leading with empathy and we're not just diving right into business. What does leading with empathy really mean? Because I think we're getting to a point where it's almost become a little phony sometimes. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you think about the word empathy, it's just actually living, that by definition, it's living in, in the other person's shoes. And so, again, we're all going through the same situations, but it's just having an understanding and, and having a situational awareness. So if you, our next slide, it says lead with empathy and understanding. It's really about understanding where we're at but not being frozen by that. I think the key thing that we want to think about is that now people have adjusted from March into April, we're going to move into May, and now they're trying to adjust to this new dynamic, this new normal, and how are we going to actually be as successful as we can be in those, those areas? So that's going to be a key area that, that we think about from a Sandler perspective is really what are the tactics and techniques? And, and you think about a tactic or a technique, it's really just to help open up and have a conversation. So that's really what we're looking at is that what are the things that are going to resonate? And Gong as a product is a great tool that we use internally. We, and we, a lot of our clients use it as well. It's just to understand where people are. And kind of, I love it because it shows you the data. And this is really saying, okay, this is where we're at. And this is the data that supports it. It's not just us making an assumption, really looking at the data. Yeah, so from there, I think if you think about it, if we want to look at, to go to the next slide and talk about how do we approach the, a new sales conversation. And I think number one, if we think about it, is, again, it's don't make assumptions, either positive or negative. I mean, I, again, I have clients I work with now that are busier than they've ever been because of the situation mm -hmm. today. You know, and then we have clients that are impacted drastically by the situation based on their industry and what they do. So it's not making an assumption either positive or neg negative. It's really about having opening up the conversation and, hey, Devin, you know, just how, how are things going for you today, you know? Don't want to make an assumption. And, and again, let people guide you where they're at. The goal is really to find right. where they're at and move from there. I think a lot of people make the assumption, and we'll talk about mindset in a bit, that everyone's, uh, you know, sitting on their hands, not doing anything. And I can tell you it's, it's the opposite. I talk to clients every single day that are, are working with and, and trying to find ways to help their current clients and really position themselves for the recovery, what's going to happen next as a part of that process. So that's a, that's a key area that, that we want to think about is that when you're making those calls is understand where people are from an, from an empathetic perspective, but then from there, don't make assumptions either way as we get started. I think when it comes to assumptions there, it is the positive and negative, right? And so I think a lot of folks are making the assumption that no one's buying right now. So don't exactly. assume that exactly. people aren't buying right now. Don't assume that people aren't picking up the phone right now. It's just that we need to adapt the way that we talk to them once we get them on the phone, right? And so I would say, right. yeah, don't assume that it's as negative as it is. 
um, but also don't want to be tone deaf and don't assume everything is, is perfect, right? You might call someone who right. has three kids at home for the first time and, you know, it's, it's chaos behind the screen. Sure. And, you know, you pick someone <laughs> up on a cold call and you hit them with a message that's not, res you know, not relevant, then you might get some negative feedback, right? But the whole point is to just go into it with an understanding like, hey, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to get this guy, Mike Myers, on the phone. And I have no idea what kind of mood he's in. I don't know exactly how his business is being impacted. But if I come from a place of understanding and I have a message that's very relevant to him, then there's no reason to be afraid. And then now we can probably dive in a little bit more into kind of that mindset stuff. The approach is building comfort and then the messaging is going to follow. And we'll talk about that to some extent because I think a lot of times people feel like it's really not about steps. It's holistically how you approaching the call. And, and, and again, your, your mindset's going to support that is what we'll talk about next. Really one thing that I've seen been uh, very helpful and successful for a lot of uh, salespeople or people trying to connect and reach out to their clients or to prospects. It's having both that short-term and long-term perspective. And I'll give you one a great example. I mean, a really good client who um, they have a, a piece of software and they sell to engineers that helps engineers really connect to each other and share files and information. Well, now this is more critical than ever. So a lot of these, uh, these calls are reaching out saying, this is what we can help you with. If you don't want it, need it, that's fine. But if you're really trying to effectively communicate with your engineers because you used to all work within a department and a group right together next to each other and now you have to share things remotely this is a great uh, tool that can help so again people are looking to solve business problems that are different today than they may been in, in january and february so it's really that short-term focus and that long-term focus is an important dynamic in terms of your mindset because it's not just about what's happening today it's really what are you building out your plan for the next 30, 60, 90 days. And the most successful salespeople have that long-term perspective because this will end one way or it's gonna end, it's gonna end, we don't know how it's gonna end, but it's gonna end and we're gonna be in a new place. And our ability to kind of plan and work on that now is gonna be critically important. If we wait until you know May or June or July to start working, it's gonna be way too late. You're gonna be very far behind as a part of that process. And I would say too is like when you, Get on the phone, whether it's a cold call, whether it's the third call you've had, the 20th call with a late stage deal, you know, the landscape has shifted. And so if you go into it and you lead, not just with the empathy, how are you doing, but also like, you know, hey, Mike, I, if you're anything like the folks I've been talking to, your, your 2020 strategy and priorities probably did a bit of a shift this year, right? And so right. based on that, and what I'm hearing, I have a few ideas I'd like to run by you, but before I do, like you said, Mike, what, what are your next 30, 60, 90 days look like? And what are your top priorities? And then just be quiet right. and listen and gain information. And the reason what this does too, is it shows a lot of business acumen, right? It shows like, Hey, Absolutely. I'm aware with Absolutely. what's going on. I'm mindful of your business. I don't, I don't have gong that I'm just trying to push on everybody I call today. I called because right. I think that we can solve your problems. If this is your problem, can we talk about that? Right. And so it is a mind shift it should always be this way. We should always have been picking up the phone and always approaching it this way. But now as you're seeing on, you know, LinkedIn posts and, and talking to clients is the, the uh, like window of patience is much lower than it used to be for tone deaf messaging. So that's where the, the mindset comes in. And if I could say one thing, it's, it's guys don't stop selling. It's, it's, if there's, or if there's a problem to be solved, then you're, you're selling Then you're just solving today's right. problems is really what it comes down to. Right. It's your ability to kind of find out how you're helping them solve business problems. Those business problems existed before they're existing now. They're going to exist after. They may exist in a more 
a heightened form today, but we have to be aware that that's really what we're trying to accomplish as a part of that process. Absolutely. The pull, not push mindset. So, I mean, this is really a, one of the foundational tenets of Sandler is to help people buy versus sell. Like, like if, if I call you on the phone, let me give you 27 reasons why it makes sense to buy our product or service, I'm pushing, right? So the pull strategy really is about helping people buy. And so uh, the one thing that I've learned over the 20 years of doing this, you can't convince anyone to do anything. They have to convince themselves. So really having the mindset is like a pull strategy. Today is even more critical than ever. Because again, the patience, patience is low, right? In terms of your patient metrics mm-hmm. are no low. You're in it, it's like, you have to understand it, what's in it for them, and they have, to, they have to want it versus you trying to sell it. And then the second bullet, if I moved up, is what defines a win? Just real briefly, remember a win really from our perspective, it may not be closed business today. It may not be like ringing the bell, but it may be having a certain number of appointments or um, with qualified prospects. It may be one of my clients is doing a 90-day schedule. So he's actually booking out excuse me, face, face me in 90 days. So he has a certain number he wants to book every week. So really define, you know, for you, see what defines a win. And then again, focus on the right behavior. One of the things I, I always um, have said over the years, and I think this is so critically important, if you're struggling, focus on doing behavior, doing the behavior consistently every day, not the results. The behavior will lead you out. If we just focus on the results and we see, we, we actually, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, we see bad news, we'll continue to focus on that. And we'll, it's almost like when you play golf or play a sport, you start to choke up, you know, you get nervous and you can't perform as well. So just every day, get up, focus right. on the right behavior, not the results are some key areas we want to think about. Doing the right behavior, I was talking to a lot of the gong sales up this week and, and, and everyone's taking a hit, right? Everyone is, you know, having a challenging time. And something that a lot of them have been telling me is, there's only so much you can do, right? There's, there's only things I can control and there's things I cannot control. And so the, the, some of the veteran ones and the folks that are starting to click go, all I can do is wake up every day with an attitude of I'm going to move something forward today. I'm yeah. going to put in, if it's an activity right. metric, I'm going to do that. If I have a list of opportunities I need to get in touch with and I have, you know, game plans for each one, then I'm going to go do that activity. I'm going to do the best that I can. If I get a call saying, hey, there's no way we're buying anything until 2025, sorry. There's no point in internalizing that, right? That's outside of your control, <laughs> right? Now, of course, there's some objections you can get into and kind of handle these things. I'm not saying all the locks cause, but the point is, you know, just because it is, uh, you know, trialing, you know, it's, it's difficult out there. It doesn't mean that you should just stop altogether. The other thing I had right. a really good right. example that worked on me this week was uh, a pull, not push strategy. It was, um, I was on LinkedIn as, as I tend to be. And um, uh, a guy named Mac over at Sprout Social, um, had a really good idea. He did a really good job of pull, not pushing. And what happened was he posted a uh, a, a blog post, like an article, and mm-hmm. it was all about social listening and the new Michael Jordan documentary that had come out on Sunday. Oh yeah. Now mm-hmm. I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a big Michael Jordan and, and basketball fan, so anything in LinkedIn that hits basketball like is going to get my attention. So that sure. works. But as I was reading the content, it was all about you know how you can use their technology in this other format. But obviously, I made the jump was like how you can listen to what people are talking about. How are people digesting this, you know, uh, pop culture event? And it kind of clicked that like, hey, I could, I could probably use this for my social strategy, right? And this is really interesting. And so I went over to their website, checked it out, liked what I saw and requested a demo. And so the whole point is, Excellent. obviously this is kind of using co- content versus direct selling, 
But you could have done the same thing on the phone if Matt had uh, Matt had called me and said, "Hey, Devin, there's some really cool thing I saw in the Chicago Bulls. Wanted to share it with you." Like, okay, that's just messy. I don't feel like I'm being sold to because I can't buy the Bulls. And then, right, and this starts telling me, "Hey, this is some stuff we're doing. This is stuff we saw. I was interested if you would want to learn a little bit how you could use it at Gong." That's a pull versus push, right? He's pulling me in with interesting right. data and and the potential to solve a problem versus calling me and telling right. me all the ten you know, uh, features that Sprout Social has, which frankly, I'm not interested in, right? I'm interested in the first half. So good, good live example, Excellent. still live and well today. So I think this is probably where we're gonna get into the, just our messaging for today's problems. Yeah. Um, My sense of it, again, when you think about adjusting your message uh, to solve today's problems is really about understanding that short-term, long-term perspective. I think a lot of us understand, we talked about empathy, we talked about some different areas around that, but what is your role you know, I think about think of it this way. One of my uh, colleagues said, "It's not about prospecting; it's about outreach." Like, if you think about it, it's just about outreach, just like what the uh, the gentleman did with the bulls, right? It was about outreach, and then you found something that was available to you, and you kind of dug a little deeper and found found a fit, right? And then you were able to kind of at least explore further. So, if you think about it from an outreach perspective, then you're going to help really today, and then really build the foundation for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what it is, is it's like the, the things that are working is like, okay, you have, let's say three value pillars, right? Every company probably solves one main problem and a couple smaller problems that kind of you know, work together. And so I, I think that the most successful people I'm seeing aren't like dismissing their entire thing and starting over. They're looking at those three or five problems they solve and maybe they're leading with one or two, but those don't make sense today. Now we should focus on numbers four and five. And, and here's where I'll get into Gong's example is, you know, we help revenue teams close more business. That's the headline. The, the pillars that fall in between that are things like understand what your best reps are doing, help you close more deals with intelligence and help you onboard reps faster. That, that last one was bread and butter for me when I was on the sales team. Sold it all the time. It was a huge use case because everyone was, everyone's hiring in some degree, everyone's onboarding to some degree. Well, now no one's really onboarding so fast, are they? They're not really, you know, no <laughs> one's growing rapidly like they were a few months ago. And so all it was was taking those problems, recalibrating a little bit and say, let's not lead with that because that doesn't make sense today. But people still need visibility into their conversations and people need visibility into their deals. And guess what? They need it more now than they did 60 days ago. So all we did yeah. was just, you know, kind of look at our messaging. What are we leading with? And does it make sense today? And if it doesn't, pull it back and then look at your, look at the problems you can solve and push that to the forefront. And that's what you should be leading with. It's really just being situationally aware and then looking at your, your product mm -hmm. or service and then matching that up. And I, and I, and it sounds simple, but uh, you'd be amazed at how many people are just doing the same things. Like the definition of insanity in our business is doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. So if you don't change your input, you're going to get the same output. So it's really just stepping back and saying, if I'm building a plan and understanding the, and also that may be just to some extent, maybe the types of clients you go after or type of prospects you go after may be very different today than maybe it was two months ago. Again, until things kind of settle out and we're back to, to doing more, you know, uh, like it was before COVID-19, we're going to maybe have a whole different set of clients we want to deal with or talk with and prospects. Remember the three levels of bonding are comfort, relationship, and trust. Like, and think about it, a lot of times that we just talked about, first you're trying, just trying to get people comfortable, then you build a relationship, eventually you get to trust. You don't get there right over, overnight. And so the goal really is like figuring out how do we, how it fits on the front end. 
And then we always talk about this in, in from a methodology or just even a selling perspective is you're reaching out to see if it makes sense for us to connect. It may not, it may not, it may not make sense now, but we're going to talk a month or two months from now. That's fair. We got an outcome. We are going to talk in two months, but our goal really is to understand that. And then from a credibility perspective is sharing third party stories of how your clients are using your product, your service, your technology to actually prepare for the recovery. The, the most successful sales people and organizations I'm working with now are planning for the recovery. They're not, they're not here. They're looking at May, June, July, and August. So what are you doing in terms of your, or your organization, your, your sales uh, selling to actually move the ball forward as a part of that process? That's really about reframing your message and realizing that, again, the poll strategy is, may not make sense for me to talk to Devin now. He sells to the travel industry. Right. And so, but it, so we, we can say that's a disqualified. We'll move on. We'll talk to him in a few months or maybe a few years. Who knows? But we'll, we'll talk to him later because it just doesn't make sense in the context. I think one last thing I would say in terms of reframing your message, now more than ever, it's important to disqualify as much as qualify. Right. Because if you're spending time with the wrong people, it's going to minimize your opportunity cost to spend time with the right people. And there are less right people to spend time with today in terms of if they're going to actually move forward and buy something. There's a couple of good examples too. I was uh, listening to a bunch of gun calls in preparation for today, hearing, trying to hear some fresh examples of, of how folks are doing this framework and um, shout out to Logan. He's one of our star BDRs. And I was listening to one of his calls and he, he had an opening sentence or two. It wasn't the first sentence, but in about the second or third sentence I've never heard before, or even thought about, um, at least I haven't thought about for today's setting, I should say, but he, you know, he kind of got over the, Hey Mike, this is Devin calling, you know, yeah, that little spiel. And then right when she thought he was going to go into a pitch, cause we all know when it's coming. He goes, sure. Hey Mike. Yeah. He goes, Hey Mike, got any plans for this weekend? <laughs> and you know, of course I was like, <laughs> Logan, where you headed here, buddy. Uh, and she's like, well, um, you know, not really. Cause you know, shelter in place, yada, yada. He goes, Oh, okay. Well, you're, you're in Denver area, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, there's like a bunch of cool like tri uh, hiking trails you could go check out. That's what, that's what I would be doing. I don't know about you. And you could hear her kind of like just like relax, like the guard dropped. Like there just wasn't like a cold call anymore. I wasn't getting pushed. It was just like this this kid called and was just like being very nice to me for some reason, right? And so they kind of start chatting <laughs> a little bit. And then he gets into the like, okay, well, like, hey, do you mind if I tell you why I really called? And by now we're actually committed into the call, but if you had if you had picked up the recording at one minute in, you would have thought these were like friends. You would have thought this was like a very comfortable, casual conversation. Sure. And that hits on that sure. first part, right? Empathy isn't just, hey Mike, I know things are crazy. That's not empathy. Right. That's just that's just facts. That's just true. That the sky is just as blue as it is yep. crazy out there. But sure. that's not gonna open up the conversation, right? And so whether you want to steal that line from Logan and ask people how we're doing for the weekend, sure. keep in mind he also provided value. He provided an idea yeah. in a very, you know, energetic way, which is like, who knows, maybe that lady went hike this weekend. I don't know. It's about interrupting the pattern, right? And that, that's what Logan did. And I think the other thing is that one of my clients talked about he's been trying to get to two or three CEOs to have a conversation and he actually got them on the phone because they're at home like everyone else. And he actually had a really meaningful conversation with with a couple of them he was trying to get to, and really um, they gave him the time to have that conversation. So I think now you're really leveling the playing field like no other time. So there are going to be people he can get to and have conversations and have meaningful conversations that will 
not only help you now, but help you down the road as a part of that process. For sure. And then the last one I'll touch on here too is is the second point, which is reaching out to see if it makes sense to connect. Um, I, I put a post out earlier last week of, hey, if you're emailing folks, and this is opinion, I don't have I don't have the gun data on this one, but people right now especially hate to ask, hey, Mike, do you have 15 minutes? Can I have 15 of your minutes? Because it's the latter is what we hear as a recipient, right? If someone hits you with a pitch and like, you, you know, can I have 30 minutes of your time? It, the answer is usually no, because I kind of go, I don't want to give you my time. This is mine. It's kind of sacred. I don't have a ton of it. And I haven't probably been uh, convinced as to why I should invest my time with you. But on the other hand, if you ask, hey, does it make sense for us to chat more about this topic? Now I feel like I'm being invited or pulled into a conversation versus pushed into a demo, right? And so it is a small difference, but it's you know, subtle on, you know, uh, when you hear it, but it has a huge difference on the recipient end. And so I would, I would advise, you know, as you're, you know, whether again, early conversations or, or late, ask if it makes sense to have this type of conversation. Is this agenda, you know, interesting to you? And then worry about 15, 30 minutes, whatever it is down the line. All right. Well, I would, if I talked about an upfront contract, I would be doing you a disservice because you are, you know, you work for the org that made the upfront contract. So I will, I will be quiet. I'm going to mute myself while you school me. Oh, no problem. No, but Devin had just had actually just put out a great uh, article uh, last week on Think It Over, and that really revolved around the upfront contract. And, and again, it's about expectation management. But this is, again, goes back to comfort to, to Devin's point is like, uh, you know, when you're, we talk about an element of the upfront contract is addressing the elephant in the room. Basically, hey, Devin, if, you know, one more thing before we get started. My big concern is that this really isn't a, a priority on your list. Um, even though it's important. And if it doesn't make sense for us to continue, I just want to be open and honest and let me know that so we can put a time in the schedule that makes sense. Is that fair? So again, whatever that, that is, is bringing that up upfront. We say being disarmedly honest. If you're disarmedly honest with them, they will most likely be disarmedly honest with you. And it's really about having a, 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 a honest conversation and really figuring out where people are. Sometimes people are afraid to be honest and they'll tell you what you want to hear. And then again, we're trying to optimize the time that we have with the right people now. So that's really an example of that. And we just wanted to give you one example from the perspective of that beginning of those meetings. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, going back to talking to some of the reps, you know, and the, the uncertainty trend line that we showed uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so I had the data science team look at the, the phrase, I need to think about it. We need to think about it and all the variances uh, for folks online who maybe haven't, haven't checked it out yet. And I was curious, like, Hey, what is, what does this phrase really mean for a sales deal? Once, once the prospect says it, uh, my gut, and I chat, chatted with Mike about it too, is, is what, what's your gut feeling on this phrase? And both of us were like, it kills deals. As soon as you hear this phrase, like you, you're losing deals left and right. And the science came back and it showed it actually didn't have a negative impact on your win rate, but at a 173% increase in your sales cycle duration. So your deal almost goes twice as long, right? And so if you want to check it out, you can, you can see it on, uh, on my LinkedIn there. But this is exactly the way that you prevent people from even getting to, I need to think about it, is you lead with an upfront contract. And then there's some tools in that in that article that you can check out in terms of how to respond in case they still say it or you know maybe you forgot your upfront contract. But yeah, that was that was a really interesting take and it was really well received because I think a lot of people in the comments were like, "Yes, I'm running into this all the time. Thank you. Like this is, this is, this is helpful." <laughs> That's great. No, it's excellent. Excellent job on that article. 
We talked about how to get your mindset, how to get your messaging right. Now the chances are that you're mid to late stage in a deal and you're like, I, I got to get to the finish line here, right? What, what can I do here? And so one of the first things that we'll talk about are some of the blind spots, Mike. You want to go through these blind spots and I'll add my two cents? Yeah, just briefly. And again, don't assume that the buying process has not changed because it has. And it usually moves up one 100%. level. So if it was a VP of sales, it's going to be a CRO. If it was a product development manager, it's going to be the VP of engineering. So people are scrutinizing uh, every everything they spend. Not that they're not spending money. We have people uh, spending money every day, us, our clients. So people are still spending money, but they're really focusing now on the return on investment. So when it goes to the CRO, uh, I'm sorry, the CFO, and he has to look at trade-offs, right? They have a pool of money where they're going to spend it. That's why it's so ironclad to us understand that. It's, it, don't make that assumption because the last thing I would say is that when we did research back in 2008, this is 2008, about deals that slipped in 2008, that the salesperson got surprised at the end because it went one, one step higher. 80, 90% of those deals, what happened was not only did the salesperson get, to, I mean, the buyer gets surprised, salesperson, but the buyer was surprised. So the person buying didn't realize it either, and they both got surprised at the end. So those are key things that we want to always remember in terms of that process. A lesson you can learn the hard way is buy, the shift has been so massive that it's not just you as a seller trying to figure it out. It's buyers, their process has not changed. And the VP you're working with probably, even if it's their own budget, probably still needs to go get a CFO to approve it, right? You're probably getting things like budget freeze or spending freeze, yep. which are kind of, which are different. But the key is uh, that you need Absolutely. to figure out who is the next person in line, like who absolutely is going to write the check here because you want to talk to them. I, I've got a quote here from our CFO, um, Tim Ritters. I was talking to him just about this uh, about a month ago at the peak of the uncertainty. And here's what he said. I'm just going to read from it here. He said, the best way to get a deal done today is to prove how you're going to help increase remote productivity, enhance visibility into their business, or increase their agility. I'm going to pause. That's finding ways to deal with their problem right now. Going back to what Mike said. Okay, that's the yeah. quote. You have to come prepared to show how a specific investment will indeed save the company hard dollars. The bar for measurable and rapid return on investment is higher than it ever was before. One, Tim, Tim, our CFO, and probably every budget holder in your guys' pipeline for listeners, is they're seeing everything. 10K and above, 10K and below. They're probably getting you know, their hands on it. And so it's not enough anymore to say, hey, if you give us $10,000, we'll see $30,000 return in 12 months. Because people aren't in growth mode as much as they were. They're a little bit more in survival mode. So people want to save money, right. they want to increase visibility, and they want to increase their agility, their ability to handle the unknown right now. So do your best to align your offering with that type of message, and then also make sure that you can say, hey, if you give us you know, X amount of money now, this is the ROI that you'll get in like 12 months, 18 months, whatever that contract looks like. And so, Mike, as you're coaching folks, maybe you're, so you're hearing sales reps, how can they clearly articulate a compelling reason to buy and to buy now? Yeah, so this is where the correlation is that People buy anything to solve a problem, a business problem. So you have to have to your, to your CFO's uh, uh, explanation. It's really got to be a, a direct correlation between the business problem you're solving and your solution. So there's, they have, they, you have to make that be a one-to-one. -one. If they don't understand that, it's not just because it makes sense. It's not because they're getting a discount. It's because it's solving a business problem <laughs> today. 
those are key things we have to understand. And one of the techniques, just a simple technique to with your buyer, if you're trying to figure out, you say, let's pretend we do X, Y, or Z. We put together a proposal and you love it. What happens next? And then say nothing and kind of walk through that whole process. And you have to confirm and reconfirm. So if he says, well, you know, generally this person would sign off. Well, if you talk to him about that, does he have to go a level higher? And who would they be that person? And how would that fit in the process? So your ability to kind of put the less pretend puts people in the future state in their heads. So they kind of think about it. And then they, they kind of think about the steps. And so you're really being, I always talk about is great salespeople are worst case scenario thinkers. You're a worst case scenario thinker for the buyer. Say, well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what happened the last time they brought, it up, they brought a, something up to get approved? And so now your buyer can educate him or herself before they take that to the wrong person or take it up one level and it doesn't get approved. So those are key things that we can do to prep them and then be in the room actually when they're presenting that return on investment. Because you remember this always, that, that your prospect cannot sell your products better than you can. So it's always important to say, hey, can I make a suggestion? Why don't I get in the room and Devin, I'll help you if you need it. Now, Devin's going to be presenting, but mm -hmm. you're right there and he struggles. We can get involved. There are a lot of times they just talk to you because you're the person that brought the, uh, the proposal. So it's really important to understand both dynamics as a part of that process, right? In terms of need to know. That's a great point, Mike. When I was younger in my career, I, I was grateful that my champion was like, no, I've got this. I'll go sell this internally and I'll get this done, this deal done. I would say one out of 10 times that worked. Uh, the other nine times it comes back and now you're actually even further away from the deal than you thought because you're like, I got to know. Now I need to equip my champion, yeah. go get on the same call with the same person and convince them that, that no, you just told me last week is actually not the right answer. You know, it's, it's such a harder battle to, to fight than to get it right the first time. Right. So one thing we've said for years is that it's a, if, if you have your champion sell you, your paycheck is in their mouth, right? Because they, and they can't sell your product or service better than you can. So it doesn't mean you, mm -hmm. you do get deals and you don't talk to the ultimate decision maker, but what you do is you decrease your probability for success, right? So the goal is now is how do we increase our probability for success? And having that direct correlation with the CFO and knowing those conversations, what their return on investment looks like, is just going to increase your probability of getting approved versus someone else. And a lot of times these these kind of questions, especially if you're working with like a senior director, a VP level, and maybe you're, even if you're 10 years into the selling game, I think some people still get a little uneasy asking these questions, you know, and I, I can promise you guys, you're only helping your prospect. You're only helping them because there's the things that they have in their mind of what needs to get done, right? And maybe they're 90% of the way there, but by asking them questions like, and I've got a list here I, I want to read from, but it's like, um, we have our reps prep our champions by saying, okay, cool. Hey, Mike, when you go talk to the CFO, how exactly are you going to present going? And just, and just be quiet and let them answer back, right? Things like, what exactly is the problem at hand that you're going to present, right, that we're going to solve? What negative business impact does this cause? And what's the outcome of doing nothing? If your champion can't answer those calls with you on the call, they definitely can't answer them with the CFO. Because those are the questions the CFO is going to need to know. Why? Why are we doing this? Why do we need to do this now? What am I going to? Do? What are we as a business going to get out of it? And so, if you can prep your champion to think like a CFO, then they can speak like a CFO, and then you can convince the CFO. It goes back to the poll strategy we talked about in the beginning, 
right? That poll strategy is key. Those yeah. questions are, you said it, Devin, you're, you're helping them buy, you're helping them buy, not trying to sell it, right? They really want it. You're just helping them get what they want. So the last one is confirm and reconfirm. So that's what it is. So you go through this exercise, right? Just like if you're doing a mock cold call back in the day when you're onboarding, right? And you're the first one's hardly ever the best one. So let them get that out with you. Let them get that first go out with you, maybe the second try. And the last, the, the cherry on top, right? So you go through this exercise. Mike's my champion. And I go, okay, Mike, I'm the CFO. And I just said, no. Now, what are you going to say? How are you going to respond? Now, I'm doing this a little forward to Mike. I probably wouldn't, I would use a softer tone. I wouldn't lean into my laptop quite as much. But that's the thing is, right? Like your CFO <laughs> might still say no, despite all of the, the best preparation you've done. So put them on the spot a little bit and say, hey, if they say no, then what are you going to say? If they can't answer that, then help them. Hey, here's what I've seen work in my last meeting when I, when I was side by side with my champion and we got this approved, right? Because then they're going to go, okay, cool. That's helpful. It worked before. Now I want to do that. And hey, you know what? If you were in that meeting, maybe you should actually come to me with this meeting. It might actually help my cause, right? So it's, it's all win-win. You're helping, them, you're helping them buy, which is helping you sell, but it has to be in that order. That's excellent. Yep. And um, again, just to, to Devin's point, lead them back to the pain, right? So if they say no, it's, it's saying they're saying no for a reason. There's opportunity cost someplace else. You have to lead them back to that pain and the impact of not working with your organization. I think a lot of times what happens is they, they, they're not emotionally involved. You need to get them, get them emotionally involved. For sure. All right. This is our last slide, Mike, before we go to QA. Is there any last thoughts of wisdom that you want to share with the people? No, I, I, I think that hopefully that through uh, our conversation today, again, there's no one way to do anything. I think the world is not black and white. It's gray, but it's really having the right mindset and approach. And remember taking that long-term perspective. Everything we talked about, the techniques and tactics, work with the right mindset and really the right approach, right? So, so remembering those things as you got on the, on the phone and you make calls and focus what you want to accomplish is, Devin said earlier, what do you want to accomplish this day to be successful? Those are going to be key things that help make you successful. And, and again, this is not going to go on forever. It's going, to, it's going to evolve, and we're going to go evolve with it. Those are the people that are going to prosper as a part of that process. I hope this was helpful, guys. Perfect. If you have more questions, feel free to hit us up on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Devin Reed. You've got Michael Myers here from Sandler. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed uh, today's session. Thank you again for joining. And, Mike, thank okay. you for sharing your wisdom. It's always a pleasure, man. Thanks, Devin. Great talking with you today. All right. Big thank you to Mike for sharing his insights from Sandler Training, who is also one of our partners. We talked about viewing your deal through the lens of a budget holder, and I created a CFO letter template to help you and your team secure budget and get your deal approved. It's a fill in the blanks template that reframes your offering in language that resonates with the CFO. It's been used over 5,000 times by sales pros in the last 45 days. So I want to make sure you have the upper hand in your sales cycle as well. It's completely free and you can download it along with the slides from the live cast in the show notes. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now. So next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io. 